0: Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now, here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. Doing okay? Why don't we welcome all the campuses? Keep that going. We welcome all of you at all of our campus locations. We love you guys. So how you doing? You wouldn't lie to me, would you? You good? All right. Before, um, before I even dive into the message today, uh, I want to talk to you about something. And um, it is not what some of you are thinking. I just heard some chuckling over here. I'm not even going to talk about that today. Sometimes you got to know when to talk about something and when not to talk about something. Hey, that's a Carolina fan right there, see? <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not. I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about something else, something very serious. I, I, want to, I want to help define reality for us today. I believe that's the leader's job at times. And I want to just speak for just a moment and give some voice to the unsettled nature of our country right now. And I believe we would be wise as a community of faith to just address it, to talk about it, and to know exactly how we need to handle it. And so it doesn't matter to me And I don't mean that in a crass kind of way, but I mean that for this discussion right here. It doesn't matter to me if after Tuesday's election, you were thrilled and you thought the right thing happened, or if after Tuesday's election, you were sad and frightened and hurt. I think we would be wise as a community of faith to understand that people are all over the spectrum on this. And this thought came to me this week. I think it's from the Holy Spirit. Um, God gave this to me, and I I really believe this is of Him. You can do with it what you want. But with a country so divided, the world needs a church so united. Come on. Why don't you just read that with me? Ready, go. With a country so divided, the world needs a church so united. And the beauty of this church is that we have... People on all different sides represented here today. And it doesn't matter if you are Republican or Democrat. I want to remind you today that our hope does not come from an elephant or a donkey, but from a lamb who was crucified, (laughs) dead, buried, and rose again. And so we just need to understand that it is very unsettled in our country, in fact, the police and the security guards that are around here on Sunday. Some of you are like, oh, I didn't know you had security. Oh, yeah, we have security. Therefore, you need to watch what you do around here on Sunday. <laughs> but the police officers and security called in today and they're like, we, we, we've got called to a protest. There's protests going on right now in Durham. And some of you might be like, that's stupid. The man got elected. Others of you might be like, I understand that. Like, I get that. It's unsettled. It's volatile. And it's in times like these that the church is given a striking opportunity to be the hope of the world in the midst of such chaos and in the midst of such such turmoil and in the midst of such unsettledness. Remember what we talked about last week if you were here. We are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We are called to be agents of peace. And as I've been saying for many months now, by the way, and it wasn't coincidence because I knew that regardless of where this thing landed, we were going to be unsettled as a country. I've been trying to remind you, what if the church was just the church in the midst of a jacked up chaotic world? What if we just modeled for the world that black man and brown man and white man and, and, uh, and children and students at all socioeconomic levels can come together and worship together and love one another? What if we just saw our primary task as to be the church, the hope of the world? a a divine colony, a vision for the world so that the world starts to take notice that we can all exist together and be agents of reconciliation. Father, we love you today. And I thank you for our church. I thank you that we get to be that, not for ourselves, Father God, but for you. And I ask that you would rain down upon us today, God. I pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us discernment. And God, I pray that regardless of where we land as individuals, God, that we would know that our task, our primary vocation, is not to be affiliated with a presidential candidate or a political party, but our identity rests in you alone. Our hope is built in nothing less than you, Lord Jesus, and your righteousness. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for these days. Thank you that we get to be your church in the midst of it all. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus and the people of God said, Amen. amen. So, we are in chapter 30. Can you believe we are coming to the end of this series titled The Story? And we are looking at Paul's last words to the church. This is a very timely message, and wouldn't you know that God would orchestrate it in such a way, I had nothing to do with it as Holy Spirit orchestrated, that the message today, I believe, is going to speak to many of you, regardless of where you are after Tuesday. This is a timely word for us today. The year was around the year 2000, the turn of the century, late 1990s, not very long ago. When Carnegie Mellon University came up with a unique idea, they sent out invitations to their professors, and they basically said, if you could give one final lecture, we want to invite you to come and give that to our student body and the community. So professors would come, and they would give their final lecture. A man by the name of Dr. Randy Posh was invited to do this. You see, Randy had just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And if you know anything about cancer, you know that pancreatic cancer is a nasty form of cancer. He was invited to give this talk. Little did they know that one month prior he was diagnosed with this, and the doctor told him he had three to six months of health left. He accepted the invitation, Word got out that he was facing this terminal illness and would not be here very long. And when he stood up to speak that day, the auditorium was slammed wall to wall. People knew that they were watching a dead man walking. The first thing he said when he stood up to speak was he goes, You might not believe this, but I'm healthier than most of you. And he hit the ground and did 10 push-ups. And then to top it all off, he did one-hand push-ups. Come on. It was an amazing experience. YouTube, it was a YouTube phenomenon. Oprah Winfrey heard about it. Oprah had him on her show, ABC, NBC. They all had Dr. Randy Posh on these major networks. And it became known as The Last Lecture. I highly recommend that you go online and Google it. Go watch his last lecture of a man who was facing death. I can't give you a lot of quotes, but I'll give you a few that struck me. He said this, we cannot change the cards we have been dealt. It's just how we play the hand. Hello. He said this, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want and experience is the most valuable thing you'll ever have. He was asked this, what would be your three words? If you could only give three words of advice, what would you say? He said, tell the truth. And then they said, what if you could do three more? He said, all the time. (laughs) Today, chapter 30, We're looking at what I'm going to call Paul's last lecture. It's chapter 30. You can go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is speaking to his young protege, Timothy. He's facing death. In fact, he's staring death in the eyes. He has come to realize he pretty much is a dead man walking. Approximately 30 years old, around 66 A.D., And I'm calling this part of Scripture Paul's last lecture. Paul. Remember Paul from last week? He was Saul. Remember, he was a persecutor of the church. He was a murderer of Christians. He was converted to Christ. And after that, he traveled 13,000 miles talking to people about Jesus, starting churches throughout the Mediterranean world, He was an amazing apostle. He was the greatest proponent of Christianity ever in the history of the church. And in this last lecture, Paul gives us four really important things that I'm going to just highlight from Paul's last lecture. Write this down. If you're a note taker, write these four things down. If you're not a note taker, write these four things down. Keep enduring. Keep what? Paul would say as he stares death in the face, he would say this to young Timothy, and he would say this to the church today. Keep enduring. Paul would remind us that life is hard. Paul would remind us that Christianity is not for the faint of heart. See, some of you are sitting here and you're like, wait a minute, I I thought I was signing up for a walk in the park. Let me tell you something, beloved. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. Jesus tells us that it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Life is hard. Life is messy. Life is challenging. Paul, shipwrecked, beaten put in prison multiple times, on house arrest, at the end of his life, Paul would say, life is hard. I know I've been there. By the way, most of us can't even compare to what Paul went through. And Paul would say, keep what? Kind of reminds me of the great late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Remember when he and the African-American community and many whites as well were joining them in the protests, standing up against civil rights, and they would sing that song, remember, over and over and over. We shall, we shall overcome. It was their way of saying, listen, we're gonna endure, keep enduring. You say, where do you get that from in the word? Look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 14. The Bible says, you, however, by the way, we're gonna look at all kinds of scripture today. You guys like the word of the Lord? Yeah. Lots of lots of scripture today in Paul's last lecture. He says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love. What's that next word? Love, what? Endurance. Persecutions. Sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I, what? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Now listen, oh my Lord, you need to underline this, circle it, highlight it, whatever the case may be. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be? While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, now, now make that personal. Picture the apostle Paul late in life. He wasn't a very attractive figure, by the way. Seriously, his scholars tell us that Paul, I, I didn't even say this before. I didn't even scribe, I didn't even scribe Paul in the last sermon. Paul, Paul, scholars, would tell, he had like a unibrow. He was a scrawny little thing. Um, his eyes were really, really big. And many people think, by the way, you know when Paul says, the Lord would not deliver me from the thorn in the flesh? Many people believe what, what Paul was talking about was many of his physical looks. Paul, Paul was not a cutie patootie. Okay, And so he he says this, what has happened to me has served a purpose. And then he says, if you wanna live a godly life, you will be what? You will be persecuted. So just, just make note of that. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. And so if you're going through trials or tribulations, endure, keep enduring. If you're at work, and you're expected to compromise your ethics for the sake of the sale, keep enduring. If you're dating, you're a single person, you're in a relationship, and you're pressured over and over and over to have sex outside of marriage, don't do it. Keep enduring. If you're in a marriage and you have extended family coming for Thanksgiving, <laughs> keep enduring. It only rolls around once a year. <laughs> Many of you have heard about the young couple. Maybe you haven't. And if you're a young couple, you just got married, man. Just hang in there. What do you need to do if you just got married? Keep, keep enduring. Listen, the first few years are hard. They're the hardest, right? So just hang in there. Young couple just got married. They were at each other's throat nonstop. I me, mean, constant fighting over and over. Finally, she came home from work one day. and She said, you know what? Let's just both pray that one of us dies and I'll go live with my mom. (laughs) Keep enduring. Don't be a quitter. We live in a culture now where it is just fashionable to quit. Young people You of all people, and I know, I think millennials take a lot of undue criticism. I know that today, and I'm a big fan of millennials. But I will tell you this if you're a young millennial, you need to know this. You have not been brought up, most of you anyway, in kind of some old school tactics of grit, tenacity, endurance. And if you just simply quit, Everything in life that gets hard for you, you quit a job, you quit a relationship, you just become a quitter in life. You will never amount to much of anything. God might still love you and will love you, but you won't amount to much of anything. Keep enduring. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Write write this down. Keep reading. Keep reading. We've been in an eight-month sermon series. We are about to finish the longest sermon series ever in the history of humanity. (laughs) Slight embellishment there. I mean, we're normally a four- to six- to eight-ten-week sermon series kind of church. But we just did Genesis to Revelation. And many of you have formed powerful habits of reading the Word of God on a weekly basis. And many of you started out strong, I know, and you kind of you petered out. But let's be a people who read. And I mean particularly the Bible. Paul is facing death. And in his very last lecture, he says to you and me in 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 16, why don't we read this one out loud at all of our campuses, ready, go. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in so that the servant of God may be thoroughly for every good work. Paul's like picture him, picture him scrawny, unibrow, beady eyes. <laughs> picture him standing, taking his last last breath. Come near. Him. Whatever you do, Become a woman of the word. Whatever you do, become a man who is developed and grounded in the word of God. And by the way, if you're new here, you're a guest here today, go to the Next Steps room at any of our campus locations after the worship celebration today, and we want to give you a free copy of this book. This is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in a very unique chronological way of telling the Bible. But Paul would say, draw near. Picture him on his deathbed. Draw near. Many people are going to try to convince you to believe many different myths. Many people are going to try to convince you to sell out to the word of God and actually start feeding yourself on pop psychology. Many people are going to gather around themselves, people who want to hear, Paul uses this language, what their itching ears want to hear. Have you heard that language? Look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will what? There is a judge, and I'm not it. And despite what your spouse might try to convince you of, they're not it. There is one judge, and his name is Christ Jesus. He will judge the living and the what? And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now watch this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the what? And turn aside to myths. Is that not prophetic or what? The Bible is useful for ter- teaching, correcting, training, and rebuking. I put it like this in my notes. Again, just I think the Holy Spirit planted this in my heart this week. You'll see it on the screen. If all scripture is useful, then the Christian life without scripture is useless. Hello. Form time, carve out time. Work your schedule in such a way that you feast on the word of God. What Jesus would say in John's gospel, the bread of heaven. Feast on the bread of heaven daily. You can do it on your phone, your computer. You can do it old school book. You can do, But feast on the word. Keep reading the word of God if you receive it. Let me hear you say amen. Here's one, and this one's going to challenge you because many of you have a negative connotation about this. But Paul would say to us, Write it in. Keep preaching. Keep what? Preaching. Keep preaching. Now, I know you, some of you have a negative connotation. Maybe you don't. I mean, you're here listening to a preacher. But, but in this day and age, I mean, people don't like people to be preachy. I know I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. But I try not to be preachy. You know, there's a difference. There's preaching and preachy. And the truth is, we're all in this together. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I'm, I'm just a brother. I'm just a, I'm just a man. Trying to, trying to tell another where to find bread, right? And, but, but Paul would say, keep preaching. And if you have a negative connotation of preaching, you need to do away with that for a moment. What Paul is saying is whatever you do, never tire, never stop sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Christmas is coming, right? I mean, I don't know if that excites you or freaks you out, Right? Come on, show of hands, how many of you just, you can't wait for Christmas, you just love the Christmas season? About 30% of you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, show of hands, how many of you would rather just like skip Christmas this year and catch it next year? Okay, a few of you are honest. Here's the Christmas Verse, and this is all about the gospel good news, Luke 2. Come on, we might as well go ahead and try to get in the mood a little bit. Read it out loud with me. Ready, go. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. I bring you what? Good news. When Paul says keep preaching, listen, he's not saying that you got to get up on a stage and preach the Bible. Now, if you want to do that and you're called to do that, come on up here. Not literally, but, but um <laughs> but Paul's saying whatever you do, don't get tired of sharing the good news. Don't get tired of giving a witness to the hope you have. You know the Bible says, always be prepared in season and out of season. To share the hope that you have. This means in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your home. This means that you're always ready and willing to share what God has done in your life. And you might think, how do I do that? It's B.C. and it's after Christ. What was I like before Christ? What am I like now that Christ has saved me? You just share that in human terms. Don't go getting preachy. Don't feel like you have to use big theological terms. Nobody gives a flip about those big theological terms anyway. Just... Share. We have these cards at all of our campuses, by the way, the invest and invite cards. That's a powerful way to keep preaching. You just hand them out, they're in our rotunda, and you just invite people to the church where me or some other teachers, we're going to sit up here and we're going to clearly try our best to present the gospel. Lives are going to be saved, sins are going to be forgiven, and heaven is going to be overpopulated, and we're going to make it hard to go to hell from any New Hope campus. Come on. You just keep preaching. You just find a way to say to people, get your butt in church. To which you might say, why you got to go there, pastor? Why you got to say butt in church? Because <laughs> we got a commercial we want to show you. Oh, yeah, we do. This might, this might be the best commercial we've ever done. And I just wanted to kind of let you know that this is going to start showing. You're going to see it this week on television. And you might be in work or you might be somewhere at a party or whatever. And they might bring this up. You need to say, that's my church. That's right. Get your butt <laughs> in church. We, we got the guy, you've seen this man before. He, he's like a big star over at DPAC with the Christmas Carol. You've seen him on television before. We brought him in to do this commercial. Again, this might be the best commercial we have ever done at New Hope. Check it out. We wish you a merry Christmas. Oh, I didn't see you there. You're looking a bit weary. Giving up hope, are you? You even know where to find hope these days? Are you even looking? Bahumba, wake up, man, and get your butt in the church. Because you know we live in a world chock full of misplaced hope. But there is hope. You just have to look in the right place. So grab your coat. I'll show you just where to find it. (laughs) Come on now. Come on. That's good, good stuff. What's the first one? Keep what? Second one, keep what? Reading, Reading what? The Word of God, the Bible. Keep what? Reading. Just so I'm clear, let me quote a great Catholic saint, for those of you who come out of the Catholic church. A man by the name of Assisi, or Francis, Saint Francis of Assisi, had a powerful quote where he said this, Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. Come on. The world, the culture, the community around all of our campuses, they're crying out in different various and sundry ways. People of God, just just embody the gospel. Just be hope. Be peace. Show us that there is a way better than what we are experiencing out there. And then Paul would give us one final nugget in his last lecture. And to get us into that, I'm going to read the verse of Scripture for you. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my what? Keep pouring. Write it in. Keep pouring. There was a tradition in the Roman world when they would have large banquets. The emperor Nero, many of you might know that name, Paul died at the hands of Nero. Paul was, as I've already tried to articulate, he struggled in the physical appearance category. Nero was shooting to stardom with great appearance and unbridled power. Saul turned Paul would die at the hands of Nero. But one of the traditions that goes all the way back to the Roman world is when they would have these huge banquets. When the night was over and they were bringing it all to a close, Nero or whoever was in charge would take a big pitcher of wine, if you will, And would pour it out as a way to signify that the night was over. Make no mistake about it. Paul is stealing, if you will. He's grabbing some of this pagan language from this pagan culture. And he's saying, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come For my departure. Now, when he says the time has come for my departure, he's also using some language of that day. And that phrase, for my departure, if you studied in the original language, it it connotes the idea of a ship being anchored into the ground where it's not moving. And then when they pull the anchor out of the bottom of the ocean, if you will, the ship sets sail. Are you with me? So Paul is saying, listen... My anchor is being lifted up and I'm about to set sail. It is time for my departure. I am actually going to pass from this world into the next. And I've poured myself out. What Paul would be saying to us today, again, picture him on his deathbed. Saying to New Hope Church, draw near. Draw near. Keep pouring yourself out because if you will keep pouring yourself out for the cause of Christ one day you are going to pull your anchor up and you're going to set sail from planet earth and you are going to pass from this world into the next where God will look at you come on and if you will if you'll do what keep what and if you'll keep and you'll keep and you'll keep Paul says, you're going to get a crown of righteousness. You say, where where do where do you get that from? One last verse of Scripture where Paul would talk about this crown of righteousness. He says this in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And many of you might be tired today. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I have fought the... I have finished... I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Any tired people in the house? Anybody just weary? Hey, anybody here, you ever find yourself longing for the next world? The the next place, the next eternity? Anybody here, you ever feel like you're a little homesick? Like this world just doesn't do it for you? Paul would say, keep pouring yourself out. Keep fighting the good fight. Finish the race, for there awaits you, you, everybody here who is a person of faith. There awaits you a crown, do you catch it? Of righteousness that the Lord will give you. Again, you do well to understand the context. Paul was speaking in an Olympian context. When the Olympian athletes would win their contest, they would stand a little like they do today, right? This is where we get our Olympics from, from the Greco-Roman world. They would stand, and the winners would be given the, the famous laurel wreath. And the laurel wreath was placed on their head, but here's the problem. The laurel wreath was made of leaves, We can imagine that today. There are leaves falling everywhere, right? But here's the problem with the laurel wreath. The leaves leaves would wither in a few days, week at the most. And Paul is saying to us today, if you want to compete for the things of this world, if you want to just do stuff in a very small, insignificant way in this world, you just compete in the things of this world and it's going to wither away but if you will keep your eyes on christ if you will keep fixed on the lord of life the king of kings if you will just keep enduring keep reading keep preaching and pouring yourself out there's going to come a day when we will stand before the king of kings and the lord of lords and we will not have a temporary withering wreath But God will give us a crown of righteousness that will carry us into the next world and we will stand before our crucified Messiah who will look at you and he'll look at me and he'll say, well done. Well done what? Good and faithful servant. Come in to the kingdom of heaven that has been prepared for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Father, we love you today. God, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. God, we thank you that there is so much more to experience than what meets the eye. Father, I pray for every single person here today. God, I know that there are some who are weary. There are some that are tired. God, there are some that that just sense a little homesick. They're just a little tired. Father, I pray that you give them a, a spirit of perseverance, a spirit of endurance. God, I pray that you would lift our eyes towards heaven from whence our help comes. God, we pray, we pray for that day when our anchors will be lifted up, Father, and we will set sail from this world into the next. God, we long for that day when we will stand before you and we will hear those words, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Father, I pray for the man or the woman who is here today or at any of our campuses, God, and they they aren't certain that they even know you. God, as they look into eternity, they aren't certain that they will set sail for a place called heaven. And if that's you today, I wanna give you a chance to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanna give you a chance to open up your heart and your mind and say, Lord Jesus, come in. In fact, if you're here today and you desire that, just make that a simple prayer of your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you. I am a sinner and I am in need of you being my Savior. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Take over my life. Use me, Father God, that I might live this one and only life for you. And that I, too, might stand before you one day. Redeemed and saved, ready to receive my crown of righteousness in heaven forever. Father, we join our new believers and we celebrate. We place our full hope, trust in you and nothing less. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yep, yep, there you go. There are people, there are people who just received Christ. That's our way of saying to you, welcome to the family of God. Our teams are going to come forward today and we are going to receive our tithes and offerings at all of our campus locations. There is a connect card in your chair pocket that we would love for you to fill out let us know how we can pray for you Um, hey if you're a guest mark that information on there as well and if you just received Christ mark that or you just rededicated your life to Christ we would love to send you some information when the basket passes you stand to your feet we're going to sing one final great song and I just encourage you at all of our locations to just stay and let's sing this song and then we will dismiss you today hey can you just sign off to the campuses we love you guys at all of our campus locations have a great week we'll see you next sunday thanks for being a part of this week's podcast if you have any prayer requests or praises we'd love to hear from you just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org and we would love to pray for you If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast, and thanks for being a part of our church family.